Welcome to Better Roads, a podcast with Randall Bach, president of Open Bible Churches. Everyone has a story to their journey, and God loves to participate in those stories. Join Randall as he explores another Better Roads adventure. I am very happy today to have Dr. David Cole as our guest on this Better Roads podcast. I've known uh, David is my friend for many years, have great respect for him. And he is being used in a unique way by the Lord in reaching the greater body of Christ and building bridges between those various facets of the body of Christ. David, welcome to our Better Roads podcast. Uh, you you come with uh, some impressive credentials, and I want our folks to appreciate that you have prepared yourself for the task that you have undertaken, that you're presently undertaking, because uh, besides your career experience and your success, I know you've earned several degrees, including a doctorate in theology, and, but the truth is you're much more than your degrees, but your, your, your academic pursuits are an important part of who you are in your journey and how God is using you today. So I, I know you're a humble man. You don't like to give a whole resume of things, but but I'm asking you, would you tell us about your academic journey, where you've served along the way also? Thank you, uh, President Bach. Randall, it's a privilege to be here. And uh, my journey is unique, and yet it's not unique because all of us have uh, this opportunity to follow Jesus fully and for me, it's really very simple. It's, um, am I hearing the Lord's voice? Am I responding to his call on my life? And, um, and, and as we say yes to the Lord, sometimes uh, the journey gets very unique because each of us is saying yes to something a little bit different than what our brothers and sisters around us are. I started uh, decades ago uh, going to college at Oral Roberts University and um, uh, you know, I just learned there to um, to cultivate a, a sense of of mission, a sense of calling to to say yes to to fulfilling the Great Commission, and and so that led me to to go ahead and finish that degree. It's interesting. I, I do have a lot of degrees, but I never set out to get a lot of degrees. Uh, and if you had told me ahead of time that I was going to get a lot of degrees, I would have run the other direction as fast as possible. I, um, you know, I procrastinate and I am not always a great student. And there are people out there who can testify that I was not always a great student. Um, well, that's very comforting for some people. Yeah, I hope that. so, because uh, you don't have to be the typical nerd to to end up um preparing yourself for assignments that God has in mind for you that require oh, higher education. Yeah. Great. Um, so, you know, I did end up getting the degree at ORU, and then I went on, and I ended up thinking through, God, what are you wanting me to do next? And I thought about youth pastoring. I did some youth pastoring. I, I have ended up pastoring. Uh, I've done some teaching. I've done some short-term missions. I've done some evangelism. But I did end up... Um, believing that God was calling me to campus ministry at first and then Christian higher education uh, for the long haul. My way of, of fulfilling my calling to the church, to open Bible churches when I came into open Bible and to the larger church, was to train men and women to fulfill their callings uh, and to go to the ends of the earth with the gospel. And so yeah. I've ended up spending decades in, in a few different Christian higher ed locations but it was always a matter of discerning, God, are you, 
are you asking me to step through this open door? And if so, what do I have to do to make sure I'm not disqualified from this assignment? So I did mm -hmm. end up getting, uh, by necessity, a couple mm -hmm. of master's degrees and a doctoral degree. Um, but but really, um, my, my highest uh, piece of paper in, in rank is not any of those degrees that are hanging on my wall. It's my ordination certificate with Open Bible Churches. That's always been the key for me. God's called me to himself and to his church. Everything else is an aspect of walking that calling out. Wow, David, your check will be in the mail. That was beautiful. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> and, and, you know, I want people to appreciate that the God has opened several doors for you. Tell us, give us a tour of where you've served right up to what you're doing today. Good. Uh, I, I have served at Oral Roberts University after I've got a couple of degrees there. I was in student development there doing campus ministry. I taught there for several years. I ended up uh, doing two degrees at Fuller Seminary. And while I was there, I worked at uh, the Church on the Way. Jack Hayford had uh, had an ORU seminary extension there. He started the King's Institute there. In 1993, I accepted an invitation from Jeff Farmer and Eugene Bible College to become the Director of Student Development and, a te and to teach some history and theology courses, which I did for five years. And then uh, in 1998, became the president of EBC and did that president's role for, for 12 years. And, and that, that role as president um, includes uh, uh, time on the Pacific Region Board of Directors and lots of lots of ministry across Open Bible in regions and right. across the country and connecting with uh, pastors and, and churches and, and members. Uh, so that was uh, just a delightful 17-year assignment for Julie and I. In 2010, we went up to Canada and worked for four years at Briarcrest College and Seminary in Saskatchewan. And then in 2014, we, we moved down to Dallas, Texas, uh, to the King's University, a school started by Jack Hayford in California that moved out to Dallas. And so we've now been uh, at uh, the King's University for eight years. I have been Student Development VP, Enrollment Services VP, Director of the DMIN program, Everything. Uh, Interim President, Provost. Now I'm just a Professor of Historical Theology and liaison to, um, uh, liaison, for, what's my title? Uh, I'm a liaison for <laughs> ecumenical relations, that's it. Um, so I've done lots of things and I forgot to mention that uh, during my years at seminary at Fuller, I was the pastor of the Pasadena Open Bible Church for several years. Yeah, well, so the Lord has given you a breadth of ministry experiences. Of course, that all is part of the cumulative thing that God does in you and all that's yeah. being used by him. Now, would it be correct to say that your first love is in the classroom? Uh, I love to teach, but I don't know if you can say that because um, what I love to do is to invest in people's lives. And I use teaching as a device to do that. I teach right. what has to be taught. I, I follow the syllabus. I honor the, you know, the course description. Uh, and I give them mm -hmm. church history or theology or Pentecostal studies, whatever the, the course is. Um, uh, and I do enjoy uh, making sure that important things are learned and, and the, the learning the learning experience is there. Uh, but what I love is 
investing in the lives, connecting with people, uh, casting vision for them, inviting them to, to seek the Lord and to see their passion stirred up to fulfill a calling. Excellent. It's a little bit more uh, discipleship oriented probably mm. than it is just straight teaching. Well, that shows why you have done this wide variety of things, because there are several roads, several uh, several aspects of your journey that can all lead to the same destination. You've said your destination in your heart is seeing those lives transformed yeah, and something yeah. happened in them. So deeply appreciate you've been willing to, you know, check out all these roads wherever <laughs> God would open the door to you. You know, you mentioned something earlier and I realized, whoa, we skipped over something very important. You mentioned the name Julie. Tell yes. us a little bit about Julie and your family. Yes, I've been married to Julie for 39 years now. We have four children, wonderful uh, four married children, eight grandchildren. We are blessed, and Julie has been my life partner and my partner in ministry as well. Everything we've done, uh, we've done in ministry partnership. We've done a lot of things together, but we've also blessed each other to pursue individual callings that help us to complement one another. So. You know, my, my decision to go to Fuller Seminary was a decision partly based on the fact that Julie could get her counseling master's while I finished my MDiv. Mm -hmm. And uh, we ended up pastoring together. And Julie has, everywhere we've we've gone, Julie has found things to, to do to fulfill her calling, even while she supported me in mine. So we hope that we are modeling that kind of a ministry partnership that doesn't lay heavy expectations on each other, but but releases one another to say yes to the Lord and to support each other. She's currently in full-time ministry down here at the King's University at the same time that I am. Well, you do it well. You are an awesome twosome. I just want to give testimony to that. David, you're ordained with Open Bible Churches, and I really do view you as an Open Bible ambassador wherever you go. We're proud of you. Um, I know that you 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 work very hard at building bridges uh, between not only denominations but you know faith groups within greater Christendom. Um, and you've shared with me about your involvement in so many levels in building those bridges. Where did that passion come from? It obviously is a passion in your heart. Hmm. That's an interesting question. Thank you, Randall. And it's my privilege to to represent my Open Bible Church family in some of the places where the Lord uh, gives me a chance to, to hang out. When I was a, a young kid, I grew up in a family where my grandparents were Catholic and Presbyterian and Methodist and Nazarene and and they experimented a little bit in between. And so I think I grew up, we ended up in an evangelical Methodist uh, church and stayed there. But I think I was always wondering, what are all these churches and why are my relatives all in different places and not in the same place we are? Mm -hmm. So I think there was some curiosity that was there from an early age. I went to ORU and my, my campus chaplain there, uh, Robert Stamps, was a charismatic Methodist, but every week in chapel, he celebrated the charismatic Baptists and the charismatic Lutherans and the charismatic Catholics even, mm -hmm. and all the Pentecostal, the Assemblies of God and the Church of God in Christ. And he really painted a picture of the body of Christ that was so much bigger than I had ever dreamed yes. of for yes. my little Methodist church in Pennsylvania. And so there was something there that I was hungry to, to, to go deeper into, but I couldn't really put my finger on it. Years later, uh, I decided to do doctoral studies to, to continue that higher education calling. 
And I was assigned, my doctoral mentor that was assigned to me was a, a man named Dr. Mel Robeck from Fuller. And he was an Assemblies of God minister, a wonderful man of God, who was an expert in Azusa Street and Pentecostalism and, and various elements of church history. But he also had had an experience with Jesus and a calling to go to the body of Christ with his Pentecostal faith. And in classes that I took and in conversations we had in his office, something of a mentoring uh, process took place. And I really, for my own uh, sake, uh, began to adapt and contextualize an expansion of my calling uh, as a minister and my calling to the church. And I knew that I needed to, in whatever I did as a pastor, as a teacher, as a leader, I needed to build bridges with the larger body of Christ, with the big C church, while I was faithful to my open Bible church family. And for the last 30 plus years, that's what I've been doing. I've just been accepting that one of the things God wants to do in me is to, to bring my open Bible church family to the larger body of Christ and wherever I can to kind of bring the body of Christ to my open Bible church family. Mm -hmm. Well, you've blessed us in doing that. And I know that this pursuit, this passion of yours has taken you around the world. Mm. Uh, you've been to several places, including the Vatican. Would you just share with us where, where all has God taken you to do this work? Yeah, I have, um, I have been involved for 25 years now in the International Catholic Pentecostal Dialogue that the Vatican co-sponsors. That's a dialogue that started 50 years ago when a man named David Duplessis, you know, some know him as Mr. Pentecost, mm -hmm. had a similar calling to bring his Pentecostal faith to the body of Christ to share his testimony of the work of the Holy Spirit in his life. And that led to this dialogue, along with many other things that he was involved in. But I have been involved and I've gone uh, to many countries um, uh, participating in a dialogue in which Pentecostal leaders and pastors and, and theologians sit down with Catholics and talk about things that they disagree on and things that they might agree on if they can find out that they agree on them. But it's really a question of if someone from another church family declares faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, am I willing to spend time to get to know them to see if God would be honored by that process? And that's what that dialogue does. Uh, but I've, I've done some other things as well. I, I also, as you know, I, I work with the Pentecostal and Charismatic Churches of North America. I chair uh, their Christian Unity Commission, and we engage yes. in, in opportunities for dialogue and witness. I've done some things with the Pentecostal World Fellowship. They have an, a conference every three years, and we do some, some sessions on unity in the body of Christ there. I uh, have participated in something called Gatherings in the Holy Spirit, in which Pentecostals and, and independent charismatics get together with denominational charismatics and Catholic charismatics to see what we have in common around the renewal of the Holy Spirit. But I've, I, I've gone places where I have a chance just to be who God's called me to be and to see if I can listen and learn and encourage and bless people to fulfill, to fulfill their callings as well. So there's a wide variety, of course, of groups under this banner of Christianity. Yes. And and I, I 
if it'd be all right with you for purposes of our discussion, when we talk about that, I think about um, the, the, the groups that where there's a centrality of the Bible. Yes. Um, in other words, there's an orthodoxy and that they are scripturally grounded in their foundation for their belief and also the centrality of Christ. Yes. And um, so, but, but there's such a wide array of groups. You mentioned a number of them, just as you grew up, you were exposed because of your family and now you, you know, you bridge across all of these groups. So, so here's a question. Yes. Uh, Why is it important for this wide array of faith groups to, to be unified, and what should that look like? Mm. That's a really good question. I think it's important because uh, Jesus and Paul say it's important. Uh, if you think about the Apostle <laughs> Paul in Ephesians 4, he says that we need to make every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, and he says there's there's, uh, there's one Lord and one faith and one baptism and the rest of that passage. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's an aspect, Paul says, of us uh, fulfilling the calling to which we've been called. So there's, there's, there's importance to us understanding what unity in the body of Christ looks like. And if you think about uh, Jesus' prayer in John 17, uh, Jesus prays to the Father right before he goes to the cross that we would be one as he and the Father are one. And he gives the reason why that's important in his prayer. It's so that the world will know that the Father sent him and that the world will believe uh, 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 that he loves them. So if, if, if the world, if the unbelieving world is going to know, number one, that God loves them, and number two, that Jesus came to the earth to die for their sins and be their Savior, it's because... They're going to see the unity that Jesus prayed for among us as his followers. So that unity um, isn't, going to, isn't going to be evident to the unbelievers out there unless they can see it in us. So somehow we have to figure out what unity as followers of Jesus looks like so that the Great Commission can be fulfilled. Well, what a good word. Now I want I want to I want to raise the the yellow and the red flags <clears throat> in all of this because while we may have much in common and this is what you're searching to find what we have in common that is founded upon the word. Yes. How how do we build the bridges David without compromising what we believe to be truth and you know there are some contemporary issues of today for instance that though we we believe in what the ver- word says. It's our application and interpretation that's mm-hmm. where this great divide can take place. Yeah. How do you build bridges without compromising what you really know, what we believe mm-hmm. anyway, is truth? Absolutely. And you've you've pointed to that elephant in the room, Randall. I think, um, you know, the old adage that we need unity in the essentials and we need to allow for liberty in the non-essentials and we need to have charity in all things. Mm-hmm. Um that's really important, but of course, we have to agree on what the essentials are. That's right. Uh, and that's that's, that's right. the challenge sometimes, and you name some of them. The authority of Scripture is our guide for faith and practice, and the centrality of who Jesus is, uh, his person and his work, the deity and the humanity of Christ, and what it means for salvation. And I could go on about those elements of our statement of faith that we really need to, to be in unity on. Uh, and then there are all kinds of things that these other denominations and other church families 
uh, don't agree with us on. That's why we are where we are, and that's why they are where where they are. Um, mm-hmm. So I think um, somehow um, we need to be willing to say to ourselves, we know what we believe. We know what our convictions are according to Scripture and according to our our heritage and in in our church family. Um, and out of that sense of of confidence in how the Lord has led us. Um, we can be in relationship with others. We can take at face value the fact that another uh, believer says, I believe in Jesus Christ, uh, but this is my church family. I can listen to them. I can be humble enough and open enough to hear what they have to say. That doesn't mean I have to be convinced by anything they say, uh, but I, uh, I can be sure enough in who I am in Christ that I can have honest conversations with other people. I think the enemy would love for us to be fearful of other people, mm. uh, to be fearful. Well, oh, if I talk well, to that group, maybe they'll lead me yes, astray. Yes. If I talk to that group, maybe I'll I'll compromise my faith. If I talk to that group, uh, maybe I'll become a heretic or lose mm-hmm. my salvation. And um, and I think the enemy loves it when we buy into that, uh, because if you know Jesus modeled for us when he was on earth, he knew who he was. So he wasn't afraid to talk to, uh, to uh, legalistic Pharisees, and he wasn't afraid to talk to publicans and sinners and everything mm-hmm. in between. True. And I think we can follow that same model. We ought to be willing to talk with people, listen to people, stay humble enough to not assume we know it all all the time, but not be afraid that anybody else is going to d- distract us from following Jesus fully. I love talking to people from other churches because I get to testify. I get to share my faith. That's good. I get to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit and the love of God and my salvation and my my walk in in discipleship and obedience. Uh, And and I get to learn something about them as well. Amen. Wow. So um, maybe maybe part of the issue and the challenge today is defining unity and what that means, because let me just, you know, push this out a little bit farther. I know that you're comfortable with using the word ecumenical. Yeah. However, for for many of us, maybe some of us of a yeah. certain age, you know, that that word reminds us of past efforts mm-hmm. to define unity as like a hierarchical merger of right. denominations. And, and yes. frankly, oftentimes that would be under the pope. You know, mm-hmm. how how do you define ecumenical in terms of this spirit of unity? Yeah. yeah great question. Yeah, I think. um there has been a fear, and, and maybe rightfully so, in some conversations among evangelical and Pentecostal Christians that involvement in what was maybe labeled as the formal ecumenical movement uh, might lead us to uh, a false religion, a, a structural church uh, that fulfills biblical prophecy and, and, and takes us down absolutely the wrong path. Um, and, and so we've had those kinds of warnings given to us over the years by by people who really cared about us and and didn't want us to go astray. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, um, being ecumenical just means uh, building healthy relationships with anybody else who wants to follow Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. It doesn't mean structural unity. It doesn't mean I'm going to become a member of the World Council of Churches if they're going the wrong direction, or a member of the Catholic Church, or that we're all going to become one world super church. It doesn't mean any of that. For me, 
I just want to share my faith as an open Bible uh, church member and pastor and minister. Uh, I want to be a Pentecostal charismatic Christian who believes in the power of the Holy Spirit and who believes in the Bible as the word of God. And uh, I want to encourage other people to grow in their faith. And I have found that when I'm willing to, to spend time with believers, um, some of who are open to the power of the Holy Spirit, but just need to learn more. And maybe I can help unlock some things for them by my own testimony and my own life. Um, maybe I can be an encouragement to others to grow closer to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And if that happens, and I'm also growing closer to Jesus, we might grow closer to one another. But the, mm -hmm. but the unity that we're experiencing is a spiritual unity. It's a communal thing. Uh, it's, not a, it's not going to be a structural thing where we all cancel our denominational affiliations and become members of some uh, weird thing out there. So mm -hmm. I think, um, I think that, um, being ecumenical is nothing more than finding ways to connect with other people in God's family. Oh, wow. So let me package together <clears throat> a couple of contrasting questions. Uh, first of all, what do you see? And perhaps you've already been addressing this, but what do you see as the biggest barrier to unity in the body of Christ? And then what, are things that we can do, not just what David Cole can do. What are things that we can do, the listeners to this Better Roads podcast today, to bring about the unity you've described in the body of Christ? Great questions. Well, I think maybe the biggest barrier to unity might be uh, our ignorance of one another in the body of Christ. Um, and that ignorance is often based, uh, based on fear. We're afraid of people that are different from us. I think the enemy has successfully isolated us from one another, caused us to be aloof from one another. I think we mm -hmm. might avoid Christians who are different from us. And, and of course, we, we justify that in our minds sometimes by saying, well, they're not really Christians. Mm -hmm. uh, because they don't believe this or that that we believe, or they've strayed in this or that way. I think quite often we don't know what we don't know we're we're, we're settling for caricatures of other christian Ooh, families based yeah. on ignorance because we haven't taken the time to find out what the real story is mm -hmm. so i think the biggest barrier to unity in the body of christ is we we have accepted a way of life that separates us from other believers uh and so that ignorance causes us to actually not even know the other believers around us. Uh, and so we're, there's power in unity, but we're not experiencing that power because we've decided that, uh, that pursuing that kind of unity is too risky. Mm -hmm. So what can we do? What should we do? Oh, that's really a great question. Um, you know, uh, I love some of the things that, for instance, I see open Bible doing, I, I love, the Unity Commission that that uh, over the last few years has has bridged some divides in our movement uh, around race and ethnicity and gender. Uh, so modeling ways of of breaking down barriers and building bridges, I think, is is um, uh, a wonderful uh, aspect of this. As I think about what pastors and churches can do, I mean, I do these international conversations, which is interesting in its own right. 
But when I think about where unity really needs to happen, it's at the local level. It's in our neighborhoods and in our churches and in our communities. You know, I think um, uh, if, if we believe that unity is important, then it has to be on our calendars. Pastors need to include it uh, in in uh, in worship services. I, I think I think churches maybe should should actually from the pulpit um, pray for the other churches in their community. That's pray good. for the other pastors in their community. Join the ministerial alliances in town. Do uh, joint worship events across the community, uh, find ways to connect with people, maybe on special calendar days, uh, Pentecost Sunday or or Christmas or Easter or other times, uh, find National Day of Prayer, Week of Prayer for Christian Unity. There are ways in which we can actually um, see the big C church. And so when we ask our, our people, what is the church? Hopefully they have a wonderful commitment to their local Open Bible Fellowship but they see the church across town and maybe across the nation and around the world uh, and across denominations and believe that God's at work in the body of Christ in bigger ways. They see a bigger church and therefore they sort of see a bigger God. Man, man. you know, I, I don't know if I've shared this with you, but years ago, I was much younger. <laughs> I was, I was thrust into a situation. I was riding in a van with um, a young uh, Greek Orthodox priest. I had I had never had any exposure. I'd never even met anyone because of my background uh, who was Greek Orthodox. And we were just carrying on a conversation. And so I began asking him questions, kind of like I'm asking you questions today. And I said, well, talk to me. What, what does salvation mean to you? And we had a very enlightening discussion. I explained to him that from my vantage point, salvation is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ as as savior and as lord and he was in essence saying that uh and i'm representing what he said but you know that becoming a part of the body of the church in essence would become like salvation so as as we explored this difference between us it was it was an exploration it was respectful and and i thought well i don't agree with him at all but you know what when he talked about who god is to him yeah I saw the tears in his eyes. Yeah. I, I saw the tenderness in his voice as he looked at me and I looked at him and I realized we have something here that is of God that transcends that one difference between us there. And so I had a little taste of what I think you seek yeah. to have happen in all of us. And um, so I'm, I'm, I'm remembering that today the importance of looking for ways to bridge, yeah. which is what you're teaching us to do. Yeah. You know, so, I, I, I think that there's a way to focus on the things we have in common without ignoring the differences which are important. Mm -hmm. It's important to be honest about differences with one another. Uh, and at the same time to, to ask, is it possible that that person from this other church family actually loves Jesus. Yes. And uh, they're really different from us. And we disagree on the way they do church, the way they focus on certain theological issues. But if that person loves Jesus, I need to make room in my, in my heart for them to be a brother or sister in Christ. And, uh, and I can stay in a posture of learning. And then I can go back to my church and, and, and keep doing the things I've always done. 
I just do it with a little bit greater awareness of what God's doing in, in the rest of uh, the body of Christ. Yeah. They may articulate uh, their love for Jesus in words that aren't the same as ours. And so that seems foreign to us, perhaps. Now, in, in all of your pursuit of this and your studies and, and uh, talking about the unity in the body of Christ and... Um, can you tell me about someone that comes to mind who's when who's been particularly successful, you know, a great model of what you're saying ought to be in all of our lives? That's a great question. Um, somebody that comes to my mind is, uh, you know, the founder of my school here is Jack Hayford. And Jack was out in Los Angeles for several decades, the pastor of the church on the way, a wonderful four square church. Uh, and I remember being in, in Los Angeles going uh, to seminary when um, the racial tensions led to um, riots and all kinds of serious things in Los Angeles. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, Los Angeles was literally burning. Yes. People were dying and uh, it was serious. And of course, we've had racial tensions in recent years, um, 30 years later. But I remember in the 1990s, Jack Hayford got together with Kenneth Ulmer across town, who was the pastor of uh, Faithful Central Bible Church, and with Lloyd John Ogilvie, uh, uh, a Presbyterian pastor in town. And they became the gatekeeper pastors together to pastor Los Angeles through serious racial tension and division and hatred and confusion and to bring about healing. They, they kept holding joint prayer services and worship services to bring people together that really didn't want to be together because there was all of this uh, racial animosity and, and uh, these, these very hurtful situations going on. And that was, um, uh, that was a great a public role model from a, a pastor yes. in a community who mm -hmm. built bridges of relationship with somebody um, on the other side of this, uh, of this divide. And I, I thought about that, and I thought about that in the last couple of years because, you know, we've had some more recent racial uh, tensions uh, in this country. And Kenneth Homer, uh, who is a friend of mine and a colleague of mine here at TKU, he teaches for us from time to time and served on our board. Um, he's, he still has been pastoring in Los Angeles, and he, he started gathering um, white and people of other colors, uh, leaders and pastors together and, and, and doing some conversations uh, a series of, of, of gatherings called The Conversation with Kenneth Homer. So he continues to, to model as an African-American pastor and leader a way to build bridges with people from uh, other, uh, other locations in the body of Christ for the sake of seeing healing happen uh, in, in our country through believers, through the church that wants to make a difference in our communities across the country. So um, I, enjoy, I enjoy that example because it's something I saw Kenneth Homer do 30 years ago, mm. and it's something I saw him do last year. Wow, wow. So I, I, hope, that, I hope that that I can model some of that kind of consistency as well. Yeah, you know, it occurs to me as you're explaining all this that it, it to be a part of what God wants us to be in all of this and building unity in the body of Christ does require a certain amount of risk on our part, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. We've got to move beyond the risk of our comfort zone. Absolutely. Well, David, let's uh, really appreciate this time together with you today. I want to wind all the way back to the beginning of this and 
when we talked about your beginnings. And uh, as you know, this is the Better Roads podcast where we talk about the various roads that we take in life. You know, some of those God just, you know, uniquely puts us on roads. And there are other roads that we get on and we say, what on earth am I doing here? And I need to get off this road. There are some that we'd say it's only because of God's grace, you know, that uh, I'm not where that road was leading. And then there are those roads you can say, you know, how much it was me, how much it was God. But I can tell you what, there are these roads I was on and they were absolutely vital, instrumental to, to the good things that God has been able to do in my life since. Could you talk to us just a little bit about what are some of the better roads that David Cole has taken? Thank you for that question. A road that I have traveled for 39 years is uh, the road that, that my wife, Julie, and I have traveled on together. And um, the fact that we have persevered with each other and chosen to be in covenant relationship and in mutually supportive uh, life together uh, has made all the difference in the world. The fact that uh, for 38 years now, I've been on the Open Bible Churches Road, and uh, I've stayed wherever I've gone, I've been on that Open Bible Churches pathway. I know lots of uh, friends who have jumped around to many different church families and denominations, and God bless them for the decisions they felt like they needed to make. But uh, I have been blessed by saying, this is my church family. For better or for worse, it's kind of like a, a <laughs> another marriage. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sticking yes, with this. It is, and uh, they're good for me, and I want to be good for them. And so, 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 uh, being on the open Bible pathway has been a tremendous blessing to me. And the last one that I'll mention is just uh, again this this journey uh, uh, of walking out my relationship with the body of Christ for over thirty years now. That's kind of been a that's kind of been a a boulevard with lots of color, colorful pit stops. Uh, you know, I've I, I've I've been on a road in which I've been able to engage with lots of different people who all um, have a sense for uh, what Jesus Christ means to them. And, and I've been enriched by staying on that journey as well and not and not uh, uh, veering off and, and deciding to discontinue that pathway. So I feel like God's really blessed me with uh, several several parallel lines that I get to walk on all at the same time and I and I couldn't be more thankful for that. What I hear you saying is when you find a good road, stay on it. Amen, brother. (laughs) Well, and I want to say on behalf of Open Bible, you are good for us, and I trust we're being good for you. And David, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. And we thank you, our listeners, for joining us today on Better Roads. We look forward to seeing you next time. Have a great day. You have been listening to Better Roads with Randall Bach, president of Open Bible Churches. Join us next time as we explore how God is part of another person's journey.